So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Diane and it is my uh, privilege to um, share some time with you this morning um, as we look at how we influence people in our families. And to start off, I'd like for us to look at Romans 12. Uh, if you've got your Bibles there or your Bible app and you'd like to follow along with me, do that. Or if not, it's on the screen. So I'm going to be reading from Romans 12, starting at verse 9. And as we read these words, I want you to think about that person in your family that drives you crazy. <laughs> Love must be sincere. I think we should just stop there, right? Okay. Love must be sincere. <coughs> Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another. Honour one another above others. Never lack in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervour as you serve the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless, do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Wouldn't it be great if we could really do that? Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of a low position. Don't be conceited. Don't repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of all. And if at all possible, I love this verse and I love the way that Paul puts it, if at all possible, as far as depends upon you, live in peace. Will you pray with me? Lord God, thank you for this day. Holy, holy God, King of Kings. We declare that we are your servants. We are your subjects. We declare that we want to follow your footsteps. Lord, we open our hearts to you today. Open our minds. We want to learn something new. We want to be willing to be challenged and encouraged. Holy Spirit, work in us. Amen. So today we're in week four of a season, uh, a series where we're looking at how do we influence the people in our lives? And Troy started off with thinking about how do we influence our partner? Troy and Edwina did a really awesome, animated, quite relaxed um, conversation about how do we influence um, for good our, our kids? Jeff and Lorraine took us in, into week three with how do we influence our parents? And today, uh, Trevor and I are going to um, lead us in thinking about how do we influence for good the person in our family who most drives us crazy. It's that person who we find the hardest to live in harmony with. Um, the Bible might call them disruptives. Um, the world might call them self-centred. or um, But we want to, um, I guess, give you some thoughts and ideas, both from Scripture and from our own experience of some ways that you might think about the ways that you can influence those people for good in your world. Now, Scripture is full of verses. You could open in, in any book at all and find instruction on how it is that we're meant to live in such a way that influences for good those people in our world and in our families that drive us crazy. I don't think the Bible actually says those that drive you crazy, but you get the idea. So, for example, we've looked at Romans 12, and seriously, I think I probably should read that every morning. Or maybe I should read it before every family gathering. Thank you, Mary's nodding her head at me. 
You've obviously been a fly on the wall in some of our family gatherings. Okay, 1 Thessalonians um, chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. We urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and destructive, help the weak, be patient with everyone, make sure that no one pays back wrong for wrong, always try to do what is good for each other and with everyone else. Or in 1 Peter 3, 9. Do not repay evil for evil, insult for insult, but on the contrary, repay evil with blessing. How hard is that sometimes? This is what you were called to, that you may inherit the blessing. There's a passage that we often hear read in, um, in wedding services, and I'm going to read it now, uh, 1 Corinthians 13. And I can remember when I was in youth group, our pastor, youth pastor said, Replace the word love with Diane and see if you can actually read this. It's a little, and it can be a little confronting. So say if I'm, as I'm reading this through, I want you to think of your last family event or the last conversation you had with a family member that yeah, was a little tense. Or maybe it was a texting exchange that you had with someone and you thought, why, can they, why are they being so mean? I'm not going to replace the word love with Diane because, as I said, that's just way too confronting. 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It doesn't dishonour others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Let me say that again. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in truth. It protects trusts, hopes, and perseveres. Love never fails. I think we could actually spend about six months in any one of these passages and unpack it and have it challenge our soul and our spirit. And I would really encourage you, if you haven't written those passages down, to go home and look them up. Look, go back to YouTube, look at where they are and take some time to sit in them, camp in them, as Naomi says to me often. Camp out in one of those passages and let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. I wanted to, uh, I guess, approach this question on a more personal level. So rather than a general or a biblical, how do, how do we uh, influence the good those in our life who are a little destructive or hard to love, I thought I'd just turn it a little bit and, and answer the question, how do, I, how do I influence for good those who are hard to love in my life? And the truth is, actually never alone. Um, so I have a superpower. I think we all have a superpower, but I have a superpower. And my superpower is Trevor. And so the way that I handle and respond to and try to love the people in my life and my family who are hard to love is with Trevor. So uh, some weeks ago, as I was thinking about what I was going to say today, I, um, I do what I always often do, and I turned to Trevor and said, hey, Trev, can you think about something with me? This is the message, this is the brief, this is what I'm not going to say, and this is what I'm thinking of saying. What, what do you reckon? And um, as usual, Trev just kind of looked into the distance, and he's a thinker and then a speaker, which is awesome. I'm trying to learn how to do that. He looked in the distance and then he just started to speak. And I quickly grabbed my pen and my paper and I scribbled furiously. And when he'd finished speaking, 
I turned to him and I said, well, that was pure gold. Will you share today with me? So he took a few days to think about it, which is also another talent of his that I just adore. Um, and, and he said yes. So, um, Trev, would you come and join me? I know, right? How cool is this? So, Trev, I'll let you um, get yourself sorted. So, a little disclaimer. Between the two of us, uh, we have an eclectic set of interesting family members. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> and so we have often, over the years, had conversations along the lines of how do we be actually a nice person in this space? How do we, what would God require of us in this relationship? And so what we're sharing with you today is, um, <laughs> is some of the wisdom, some of the things that we've learnt along the way. Some of the stuff that we've made up and seems to work anyway. <laughs> so, check your motivation. Yeah, I think this is a good one. So, it's really easy and one of my first thoughts when things get difficult is, I must be right because I'm thinking it right. So, obviously that's not the case quite often, but you need to check why, what is it that you're coming in with? Where's your heart? So am I, am I going to have the last word here or am I trying to transform this person with the hope, love, peace of, of Jesus? And I think, you know, it's where we go, where we start is where we're going to actually have some chance of ending. Uh, do we have to agree? Is this, is this issue so important that we have to have a fight about it? There's some things we're just not going to agree on. Some things it's not actually important for us to agree on. And therefore, you know, do we need to really get into this? Is this the important one that the, the, the uh, hill to die on is? Uh, put it said, before? Yeah. Love that. <laughs> I love that expression. And what's fact and what's opinion? Because everyone's entitled to an opinion. Um, their ridiculous opinion, it might be. <laughs> Um, and what's really a fact that we need to get down to the, to the basis of. So it's partly for me, how do, am I engaging this argument because I, I'm right and I, I need to prove to that person that I'm right. So I, f I find that a really interesting, interesting point. Ask yourself, how am I turning up? Yeah, so this is, uh, this is something that we've actually spoken about at work a bit and it's quite... I found it really helpful. And that is, is anyone, you know, caller ID came in years and years and years ago and it used to be that, um, you know, the phone would ring, you'd pick it up and you'd answer nicely every single time. Now, if you have a caged millennial at home, you'll know that caller ID, you, you don't actually need caller ID or to see what their caller ID is because you know the, the moment they answer the phone, if they actually answer the phone, because we normally text these days, but you know who they're talking to. So if one of uh, our kids answers the phone, you'll get something like, what's up? <laughs> or, hello, how are you today? Nice of you to call. Or, hello, I'm glad you called. <laughs> now that might be... That's for be... me, by the way. If he answers <laughs> it like that, that's... So, 
So that might be a mate, uh, a nana, a girlfriend. So when we, when we turn up and, and meet people, we, we have a default mode, whether or not we know it. Um, and sometimes it's helpful, especially with people who are challenging to you, to challenge yourself about what's your default mode with this person? Am I going in already to have a fight? Or am I actually willing to listen and to learn and to negotiate to understand? And for me, it's about how am I turning up in terms of, am I turning up unstressed? Am I turning up remembering the last exchange I had with them? So I'm already cranky before I walk in the door. Um, or am I cranky from a previous conversation? So, um, or from a previous exchange or a misunderstanding of a text communication that I've had with them? Yeah. So part of it is to, I guess, as I said, I like to, when I can, stop and think before I say something because what I normally would say first is probably not the best thing to say. <laughs> um, Sarcasm doesn't help quite a lot, and that's, that's a good tool that I use, or not. Um, how would I want to be treated? If, if I was on the other end of this, how do I want people to talk to me? How do I peop want people to listen to me, to hear me? Um, and that's the, I guess it, it's a respectful way of, of, of speaking to people, but it's, that, it's hard when it's that, that person where you have some baggage, they might have some baggage. Um, you know, uh, uh, we'll get into it a bit, but I guess a, a default way of, of thinking with that person. So that leads us straight into um, consider there might actually be something going on for that other person besides what's going on with you and them. Yeah. So um, there's a couple, just picture, there's a couple sitting on the lounge. TV's off, they're not looking at their phones and they're both staring off into middle distance, not talking. The lady's thinking, he's been so distant. I got home and he's kind of avoided me. He you know, disappeared down to the garage and hasn't come out until tea. Hardly spoke at all to me over dinner. Maybe he doesn't love me anymore. Is our relationship in trouble? Maybe he's thinking of another woman. What am I going to do? What he's thinking is, hmm, motorcycle won't start. I just can't figure out why. <laughs> so, being silly, but... There's always, often, normally, for most of us, a whole lot of stuff going on. And that might be real, some really serious stuff. Uh, it might be the motorcycle doesn't start, really serious. Um, <laughs> it might be um, they're having a tough time at work. They might be juggling half a dozen balls, children. Um, you know, um, there might be another relationship problem. They might just have a headache. Um, there may be um, mental health issues there, which is a whole other ballgame. Um, and and um, there could be personality um, disorders as well to consider, now, which is, I'm not going to pretend I'm any sort of expert on that, but it changes completely how uh, you need to speak with those people. Um, yeah. Hmm. It helps me to think um, in terms of the tip of the iceberg, um, so that when one of my family members who is particularly difficult to deal with, um, it really has helped me when I approach either, whether a texting exchange or a conversation or a family event, I remind myself he has so much more going on in his life, some I know about and some I don't know about, 
Um, but, so if he responds to me in a really narky way, it, this is probably not about me. Um, and, and if it is about me, he, he needs to be grown up and say that. Um, so con to consider, I'm dealing with just the tip um, and I need to try and be really gracious about tone of voice, what, what tone of voice he's using and what words he's using. And if he's, I feel like he's putting me down, then um, there could be a whole lot, there's a whole lot more going on, almost always. And we all have habits of the way that we, we speak and we relate, especially in families. You know, there's, people have expectations of their role whether it's conscious or otherwise, their role in the family, their position in the family. Am I the middle child? Um, am I the youngest? Um, am I seen as the organiser? There's all the, these subconscious roles that we've fallen into and ways of communicating as well. Some of them are really good and some of them really aren't. Um, so, you know, we, we've got to consider our own um, habits and also theirs. Um, and be gracious, you know. it's. We're not all perfect. I'm certainly not perfect. Um, and even knowing this stuff, I, you know, I fail. I think we all fail um, from time to time. Never, darling. Thank Never you, fail. You're always perfect. Yes, dear. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so this is, this is a bit tricky. Does the other person actually see any need to change the behaviour? Do they even know that there's an issue here? Yeah, I think that's it's an interesting one because most of the time we all think we're right, or we're all you know we don't. If we think we're not, we probably do something about it. Um, and there's also the the thought: um, Do I need to change? Is is there something actually wrong that that I need to do? And what do I do about it? And do I want to do something about it? So if, you, if we think back to John 5, I think it is, um, the, the guy at the pool who's um, waiting to get into the pool when it bubbles up to be healed, um, Jesus came along and said to the guy, not straight away, I'm going to heal you. He said to the guy, do you want to be healed? And, and then he actually said to the guy, "Go. you need to do something. You need to actually now try and get up. And he did. Jesus healed him in that way. But there was an action required. There was an acceptance that he, he needed to do something and, and that something was wrong. Okay, this is fun. Don't poke the bear. <laughs> Don't feed the troll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Um, we often use this term in our yeah. house, can I say. <laughs> um, so... And it gives a little bit back to habits and the way we behave and and what we know works in people's hot buttons. You know this in your relationships, in, potentially in your marriages, um, that we know how to annoy each other. And it's like when you've got that tooth that's just, you know, you've cracked it or you, or it's sore or something, you keep poking it with your tongue, don't you? Not not because, you know, it feels good, just because it's there and you, you need to see what happens if you do it again. <laughs> But it's not helpful. So if we're trying to transform people, if we're trying to see the best for people, it doesn't help when we just start nitpicking. Um, if we kind of press that button just for a little bit of, of, of a reaction. And that, once again, it could be a habit. It can be just a thing we've always done in our family. So um, I think 
Uh, yeah. I've got a family member who uh, I feel like he does a fishing, a fishing expedition with me. So he'll send me a text and, um, and I, I literally feel like he's thrown a piece of bait on the end of a string into the pond and he's waiting for me to bite. And I've learned through with Trevor saying this to me, don't pack the bear, don't feed the troll, um, is to not respond. And so I've learned to, is there actually a question in the text? Um, is there any need for me to actually respond other than a thumbs up or a smiley face? Um, and so it's about that, just do I have, really have to engage that? I don't have to take the bait. Um, and we've, we now, and I've learned, and I think he does it less now. He actually throws the bait to me less now because I think he's learned, mm. hasn't he, that I just yeah. don't respond as much. Yeah. yeah, and it's back to that point that Trev made about pausing, knowing when to pause and take some time to think about it. Yeah, I think that's right. And I guess part of it is, are we going to feed the problem or are we going to um, reduce the problem? Can we actually address the problem? Is it something that is going to improve by us responding, even if we're right? Um, or is it something that's just going to make it worse and, and keep, keep the ball rolling if it is? Um, so... If you think in an extreme situation about if you have a, a drug addict in your family, um, would you keep giving them money? And what would they do with that money? It's kind of a way off in the, you know, potentially what, completely extreme example. But um, it's the same if we have a, an ongoing issue with a, you know, with a particular event that happened and we're not going to agree on that particular um, you know, on the on the truth of that particular item, because everyone has a different perspective, then is there really going to be any advantage in keep bringing it up and discussing it in that way? So, what if the person? What what if you're actually not related to them? I think it's in some ways it's a bit easier if you're not related to them. So, there's a lot of baggage that comes with um, the way a family interacts. So, when Di and I were um, engaged, we went and did a um, prepare okay. course and it, and it spoke, I found it quite interesting that it spoke about how different families interact within their own family and that they can be completely different and Di's family and my family were very, very different mm -hmm. uh, in a lot of things and, and the same in, in others. But coming from a different side of the family is kind of helpful mm -hmm. in some ways because you don't have that, that some of that baggage and those expectations. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we find that sometimes it's easier to deal with each other's uh, families than it is to deal with our own. And you get a different perspective just by talking about it as well. Can we jump to that one? Yeah, let's do that. Send the ambassador. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> So it, it goes back to what I was just saying, I guess. It's who's the best person? Who's, who's best placed to deal with this calmly? Um, it's really easy to get upset about these things. As I say, you can, you can walk into the, into the situation pre-upset, which just doesn't help. Um, whereas if you've got a, some chance of um, you know, not being already emotionally involved in it as much, um, you don't already fall into those patterns of behaviour that you've had since you were five, then, you know, it could be a little bit easier to deal with that, with that issue 
So we've used this a lot in the last few years because we've both had deaths in the family. And, and um, post, um, in the grief stage, uh, people become more prickly. Um, and so there's been a number of times where uh, something has arisen and we've, we've kind of talked about mm, who's the best one to actually step in and deal with this situation. And there's been a number of times when um, Trevor has really helpfully engaged stuff to do with my mum's estate. He's the one that's dealt with my brothers and not me. Um, and that's actually been a much... It's had a much better outcome than if I engaged it and, and vice versa. So we actually have that conversation. So we go, who, who's going to deal with this? Which, who's the ambassador? Who's, who's going to respond to this text? Who's going to actually make the phone call? Who's going to talk to that person at the family event? That's been actually really right. helpful for me. Yeah. Because it's all about, um, as we've said all through this series, it's about the relationship. You know, we can't really influence someone who we don't have a, a relationship with um, over a period of time. Um, yeah, in fact, for just going off on a bit of a tangent for a minute, two weeks ago, uh, Troy and Edwina spoke about uh, influencing your children. And if you have children, if you are going to have children, if you know people who have children, go back and, and listen to that. There's a lot of stuff that I guess relates a lot to even what we're talking about, influencing anyone um, that's in there. But that should be mandatory. Before you can take your baby home from hospital, you need an exam on what Troy and Edwina said. Because we, <laughs> we spent 20 years trying to come up with pretty much the same yep. response and I still learned a few things there. So, you know, seriously, mandatory reading. <laughs> so this next one has saved my life so many times. Um, caring, not carer. Mm. Yeah, we only heard this, what, a few years ago, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the difference is, are you... When you have children, you are the carer, absolutely, um, to a certain age. But it's at a point, and especially with family members who are not your own children, your responsibility is to care for them. You are not responsible for every, every problem in their lives. You're not responsible to fix every, everything. You can help. But, it's not, but to keep yourself sane, there's, there's got to be a, uh, a separation between that responsibility and feeling every single thing that goes for, wrong for them or needs to be changed for them versus guiding, um, providing an ear to, to listen. Um, yeah, and I think it's probably saved our sanity Absolutely. to think that way. Yeah. And I've said yes. it to a couple of people at work over time, you know, just talking about um, problems with, with family and, and with, other, with other people in their lives, friends. Mm. And you see the lights go on. Mm. Um, so I'm not saying don't, don't be loving, um, don't be supportive. I'm not saying don't help at all. I'm just saying keep, you know, keep that a boundary that um, allows you to keep safe yourself. For me, it's been about uh, asking the question, who's responsible in this moment? Mm. And mostly what we're talking about in this topic is adults. We're talking about how do you deal with the a person in your family that's difficult to love, and in most cases, it's an adult. So that adult is... I, I'm, I'm not a carer for any of the adults in my world, um, but, I, but, I, but I am called to be caring. Um, the church is full of helpers, and it's very easy um, to fall into the habit of helping, over-helping, 
But there comes a point in time when you actually have to let go of someone's hand and have them take responsibility for their own life. Um, and, yeah, particularly, say, with our daughter, this is really, as she's become an adult, um, we're not her carer. Yes, we can be caring. Yes, we can um, do all sorts of things to love upon her. But the bottom line is she's responsible for her own decisions and how... And the consequences... I guess it's, it's about consequences of behaviour and consequences of choice. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Get help. Educate yourself. Yeah, I think this is probably one of the most important things and something that I've learnt really late. Um, so I come from a family where my father was um, both a, a minister, a pastor, and also a family and marriage counsellor. So you'd think I would have picked this up a little bit earlier. I did not. Um, have some really wise and trusted friends, educated friends, and, and people that you can really talk to, people who will tell you, no, you're wrong. I don't think you're doing the right thing. You're a bit of an idiot on this one. <laughs> have those people who, is gonna, who are going to volunteer that information to you without judgment mm. but, but with love and, and, and your, your best interest in mind. Now, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I've had a few of those in my life mm. and I have a particular, you know, we have particularly good friends. I've mm. got one mate in particular who I've known since I was 15. Um, we have uh, friends who are... Smart. Um, smart, smart, educated, um, educated mm, medical yep. people, yep. Um, people who are in mission. And these people are willing to tell us when we're doing the wrong thing or, gi or even just give us a different perspective on, on how to deal with, mm. with things. Mm. Um, I had a conversation with a girlfriend just recently and um, so being an overhelper is something that I've learned to not do. Um, and so I was having a conversation with her about a mutual young friend of ours and I said to her I give you permission to if I cross that line between being a friend and a mum mother mother if I start to mother her let me know and she went you're there <laughs> right okay thank you I did actually give you permission to do that the fact is um, I've got about three girlfriends who are my tribe and I've given them permission a number of times to say to them pull me up um, and, and they have pulled me up on the carer, um, becoming a carer rather than just caring or becoming, stepping into that mothering role. Well, it's not my job to be that person's mother. It's my job to be that person's friend, but not their mother. So find smart friends and be vulnerable with them, I think is one of the things that we've, we've learnt to do. We've got an incredibly smart um, friend who's been in youth ministry and ministry her whole life. And she's actually um, led conflict resolution consultations in churches it's just incredible and so we've chosen to be vulnerable with her at times and take issues to her and we'll, we'll we'll talk over the meal table and we'll say this is what's happening with this family member especially post mum dying um, there were issues that arose because um, I'm the youngest and I became the executor and so of course immediately yeah, raised some issues um, and she was really helpful in 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 helping me to understand how to respond to my brothers and, and my niece, uh, my mum's nieces, uh, who felt very invested in, in the distribution of the estate. And, and I gave her permission um, and I was vulnerable with her. So she, yeah, she's really helped me along the way. Yep. 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 Um, there's obviously resources online as well. Mm. Uh, be careful. <laughs> not, all, not all advice online is good, as you already know. Um, and don't, um, 
don't hesitate. Don't hold back from seeking the help of a professional as well. Yeah. Now, um, in the last couple of years, I've had uh, a situation in my own life which I just did not deal well with or was not dealing well with. Um, as I say, my father was a family and marriage counsellor and, and I, for a number of years, when I probably could have used some help, have resisted it. Um, however, something happened and I was, it was affecting my, my health, my ability to function, my ability to think properly. Um, and I went, yeah, this is, it's actually time to go and talk to, to uh, this is a psychologist in this case. And she was amazing. She does, a psychologist will not fix you. But what I asked her and what she provided me was tools to deal with and, and to change my way of thinking about certain things. That, um, it, I don't know, if you, if you pull a muscle and you need some help, you go to a physio and, and, and it works. Mm. The same with your mental health. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, talk, talk these things over with people who really have seen it before. Um, get the help that you need. Um, don't put it off. Um, this, the School of, of Mental Health, Suck It Up Princess, that I used to, I guess, really um, subscribe to, is just not helpful, not long-term. Yeah. So um, do yourself a favour, and, and if you need that help, go and get it. And it could be, um, you know, a trusted friend, an actual professional... Um, yeah. Same. I've had a number of um, counsellors and psychologists throughout the years who've helped me at different stages and, and have one at the moment. It's really helped me. Um, she has... Um, it, it's, the, it's the one place that I can be completely, completely honest about absolutely everything. Um, and and she, her knowledge has helped me to unpack um, some of my own personal reactions about things. And, and she's helped me to have some of those ah aha moments to understand why it is I'm reacting to certain people in my life in the way that I am. It's really, really helped. And I think uh, I've had uh, similar conversations with some friends at work and outside of work about um, seeing a professional, which was really outside of my, my thinking and comfort zone. Um, and to me, it's a much like having the right tool for the job. So if you're, you know, if you're trying to get a bolt off with a pair of pliers, you're probably not going to go all that well. If you've ever tried this, you know what I'm talking about. If you've never tried it, don't. Use the right tool. Get a good quality spanner and use that. Um, so it's the same with your mental health. If you don't have the right tools, things aren't going to go so well. Okay. So takeaways from all of this. Bring it, bring it in. What's my motivation? Why do I want to, how do I want to deal with this uh, person and what's the outcome that we need to get to that maintains the relationship and brings them closer to God? Mm. Why are they getting under my skin? What is it in our relationship that makes this happen? And would this happen with someone else? So the tools that you... It seems in family sometimes that you, the tools that you might use outside in the business world or in your day-to-day -day life at the shopping centre with um, the cashier who's screwed or, or whatever it is, we completely forget those skills when it comes to our own family because we're in these, these ruts or these, these um, habits. Mm. One of mine is um, just learn when to just stop speaking. Mm. Sometimes you just need to let the negative comment or the, the narky attitude or just let it go seriously it's like like a ball someone's throwing you the ball and they're saying something mean and horrible and it might have hurt you you just step aside and let it go sometimes you just don't need to speak just don't speak why is the person behaving the way that they are so 
you know, what's going on for them? And what will bring this person closer to God and maintain our relationship? Um, as you can see, Trevor and I, we talk about a lot of this stuff together. Um, and if, you, if you're not in a marriage, have a one or, a, you know, a go-to person that you can ring or text. Um, Trevor will know if I'm walking into a tricky situation with a family member and so he'll be praying for me um, or offer me a glass of wine when I get home. Um, so have a, have a go-to, have a, have a support, have a support structure. Anything else? I think that's, that's covered. And as Jesus said, blessed be the cheesemaker, uh, peacemakers. <laughs> Thank you, Trevor. Always with the humour. Thanks, honey. So we just, as I said, disclaimer, we're not experts. We, we, these are just some things that we've worked out for ourselves along the way that have, that have worked for us. Um, as we've talked through the issues. Um, I found this amazing um, um, song during the week that I, I would love to, to play for you now. And the challenge is, in this song, put, the, put first things first. It all comes down to seeking the kingdom of God in everything that we do and we say. Being the person that Christ wants us to be in, in every situation, including with... I think, it's, I think family relationships are sometimes the hardest space to actually be uh, the peacemakers. Um, and so my encouragement to you would be to, to let this song um, speak to your soul and, and to challenge you. Um, we, Trevor and I have messed this up many, many, many times and there is, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is a fresh start every moment. Don't carry guilt for something that you said or you've done or you've thought, well, I could have done that better. Um, if, if there's anything that we've said that you would like prayer for or with, if there's a certain family member that you're really struggling with, please come and grab one of us and, um, and we will pray with you. But, but know that you have the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're in a relationship with Jesus, you have the power of the Holy Spirit to help you, to give you wisdom. And when all else fails, that Holy Spirit will say, stop speaking now. <laughs> um, so my, my hope for you would be that um, there's some gem um, that's come out of today that would help you to be a person who can influence for good those people in your world who may be a little difficult to love. Listen to this. All the things that I've held dear, the vanities that whispered in my ear, what would I do if they all disappeared? Riches and fame and all that they could buy, I've come to find they never satisfy. What would I gain if my soul's a prize? I don't want to love what the world loves I don't want to chase what the world does I only want you I only want you First things first, I seek your will Not my own, surrender all my wants to you 
kingdom's all I want to see. I don't want to love what the world loves. No, I don't want to chase what the world does. I Oh, my desires revert.